This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to the Now Hear This Can Be Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tyler Frankie, and this is what's happening this week in our community. Oregon Secretary of State Shamia Fagan announced her resignation last week, effective Monday, after controversial revelations of her lucrative side work as a consultant for a cannabis firm while her office was auditing the state agency in charge of regulating that industry. The resignation brought a swift and surprising end to a mounting scandal over her decision to accept a $10,000 per month contract with the owners of an Oregon cannabis chain, LaModa, at the same time her office audited state regulations on cannabis businesses. The cannabis entrepreneurs are also high-profile Democratic donors, including to her own campaign for Secretary of State in 2020. Investigative reporting by Willamette Week broke the story late last month, followed by calls for her to resign from Republican House and Senate leaders. Fagan on Monday, May 1st, announced she had terminated the contract and held a media availability in which she repeatedly apologized while defending her actions as within legal and ethical bounds. But she abruptly changed course the following day, admitting that the scandal had become a quote-unquote distraction that was negatively impacting her office and its work regulating state businesses as well as overseeing the upcoming special district elections in all 36 counties. The resignation marked a stunning fall from grace for the 41-year-old former legislator who appeared to be a rising star in the Oregon Democratic Party. At this time, I believe it is in the best interest of our state for me to focus on my children, my family, and personal reflection so that the Secretary of State staff can continue to offer the exemplary customer service Oregonians deserve, Fagan said in a press release. As of 1 p.m. Monday, Deputy Secretary Cheryl Myers took on oversight of the agency until a new secretary is appointed by Governor Tina Kotek. Under Oregon law, she must appoint a Democrat like Fagan. 
In her own release Monday, Kotek noted that she supported the decision. It is essential that Oregonians have trust in their government, she said. I believe this is a first step in restoring that trust. During the upcoming appointment process, my office will do everything possible to support the hardworking staff in the Secretary of State's office and ensure this will not disrupt the May 16th election. Myers called Fagan's resignation a, quote, unfortunate situation, unquote, that put this agency in a difficult position. She said she also agreed Fagan's resignation was the right call. This is a resilient agency with strong division leadership and internal systems that can withstand change, she said. My first priority is to make sure Oregonians receive the customer service they deserve. This agency does such critical work and it's our job to put Oregonians first during this transition. She said she did not expect any service interruptions during the transition period on Monday. The Clackamas County Clerk reports that all voters should have received their ballots for the May 16th special district election, as county returns so far are below the turnout rate two years ago, which was a near record for a special district election in Clackamas County. As of Friday, 25,281 ballots had been returned by voters in the upcoming election, good for an 8.2% participation rate. About 9.6% of voters had turned out at the same point in the election cycle in 2021. The cumulative return rate for the May 2021 special district election of 28.1% was the third highest on record since the state went to mandatory vote by mail in 1998, trailing only 2013 and 2011 when a vehicle registration fee proposal drove angry vo voters to the polls in massive numbers. The $5 fee, which had been proposed to replace the Selwood Bridge, was rejected by more than 60% of county voters. Turnout in Clackamas County two years ago was slightly higher than the statewide rate, with just over 26% of Oregonians casting a ballot in their special district elections. Registered, registered voters who haven't received a ballot um, should contact Clackamas County Elections for a replacement. Voters can email elections at clackamas.us, call 503-655-8510, or visit the office in Oregon City. Voters can also request a replacement ballot using the online replacement ballot form on the county's website. Among other issues, area voters are weighing in on a hotly contested race for three seats on the Canby School Board and a replacement operating levy for the Canby Fire District. Depending on the voters' address, the off-year election will include board of directors seats for local school districts, community colleges, education service districts, fire districts, water districts, and other special districts. There are also city offices and district levy and bond measures for voters in some jurisdictions. Where a particular voter lives determines what districts, measures, and contests are on their ballot. There are no statewide races or ballot measures in special district elections. Countywide voters' pamphlets were mailed out earlier this month, but digital versions are available on the county's website. Ballots can be mailed back with a valid postmark or returned to an official ballot drop back box by 8 p.m. on Election Day, May 16th. No postage is necessary if mailed in the United States or returned to an official drop box. Drop boxes are open 24-7 until 8 p.m. on Election Day and are available in Canby at the Canby Civic Building and Arnes and Gardens behind Fred Meyer, in Malala at the Malala Public Library, and in Oregon City at the County Elections Office and City Hall.
A two-year-old girl reported missing Saturday night in rural Clackamas County between Malala and Woodburn was found alive, safe, and alert the following day, lying down in tall grass about a quarter mile from her home. The family of Raylan Mishler notified police at approximately 7.30 p.m. Saturday that she had left the residence, the family's residence, excuse me, on Yoder Road near Woodburn Estacada Highway 211. Family members began the search for Raylan and called the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office for help when they couldn't find her. An all-out search began on the ground with canine units and searchers and volunteers from a dozen agencies and organizations, including the Canby Police Department, as well as through the air with drones and an airplane. The area near her home has large fields, wooded areas, and small bodies of water, deputies reported. The search continued through the night. Early Sunday morning, the Clackamas County Water Rescue Team also arrived on the scene to assist. Shortly after 11 a.m., our searchers located Ray Lynn laying down in tall grass approximately a quarter mile from her home, the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office said on Facebook. She was alive and alert. She was reunited with her family and taken to the hospital for further evaluation. Ray Lynn, whom family members told police Saturday night is mostly pre-verbal and may have undiagnosed autism, also may have survived her night of exposure with limited clothing. Family told deputies that she had last been seen wearing a pair of pink one-piece pajamas that were found in the yard after she disappeared. A total of 19 different agencies and groups took part in the search, including Clackamas Search and Rescue, the corporate fire department, the Crag Rats, FBI, Marion County Sheriff's Office, Malala Fire and Police, Oregon City Police, Oregon State Police, Woodburn Fire, PNW Search and Rescue, and Portland Mountain Rescue. Clackamas County said detectives are continuing to investigate the incident and the circumstances surrounding it. A San Jose, California man is facing federal drug trafficking charges after he allegedly arranged the sale of approximately 80,000 counterfeit oxycodone pills containing fentanyl and 66 pounds of methamphetamine in Oregon City drug deals. Oscar Manuel Rosas Galnoa, 20, has been charged with conspiring to possess and possessing with intent to distribute fentanyl and methamphetamine. In April 2023, special agents from Homeland Security Investigations arranged to purchase 10,000 counterfeit oxycodone pills containing fentanyl for 70 cents per pill, according to court documents. Reporting by the Oregonian's Maxine Bernstein revealed that the drug buy went down in an Oregon City parking lot. The agents, working in partnership with Clackamas County Interagency Task Force, completed the arranged purchase with Rosas on April 14th. The informant continued to negotiate further drug buys, later requesting 65 pounds of methamphetamine. As the investigation continued, a second purchase from Rosas was organized and on April 27th, agents obtained an additional 70,000 fentanyl pills. The next day, Rosas began arranging the delivery and sale of 65 pounds of meth. The following week, the methamphetamine had arrived in Oregon and Rosas was apprehended by federal agents. A blue suitcase filled with bags of meth was seized from one of Rosa's alleged associates that same Thursday. 
Rosas made his initial appearance in federal court last Friday before U.S. Magistrate Judge Jeffrey Armistead and was ordered detained pending further court proceedings. Drug seizures are the latest in a significant escalation of fentanyl and methamphetamine confiscated by state police, county law enforcement, and federal agents in recent weeks. A Washington man was arrested with 11 and a half pounds of powdered fentanyl last Friday, enough to fatally dose the entire Portland metro area nearly twice over, according to police. Earlier that same week, another man was caught with almost three times that amount of powdered fentanyl and more than 50 pounds of methamphetamine near Salem. The stops are not part of a coordinated investigation, but narcotics investigators are working to get potent and potentially deadly fentanyl off the streets. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid 80 to 100 times more powerful than morphine and 30 to 50 times more powerful than heroin. A 3 milligram dose of fentanyl, which amounts to just a few grams, grains of the substance, is enough to kill an average adult male. Cougar Country Hometown Sports Coverage is brought to you by Rife and Hunsaker PC. When you need an attorney, turn to the firm Camby has trusted for over 50 years. Call them today at 503-266-3456. For the latest sports news, follow us on Twitter at Cougar Country OR and Instagram at Cougar Country Pod. They came, they sang, they conquered. That was the story as the Canby High School Concert Choir claimed their first ever state championship with a pitch-perfect performance in the OSAA Choir State Championships at Oregon State University Friday. While Canby High School's choral program has been prominent locally, regionally, and even on a statewide level for years, this is the school's first championship since the OSAA officially recognized the competition in 1987. The Cougs were state runners-up twice in 2014, tied with Sprague in 2015 under current uh, director Brooks Gingrich, and in 2007 under his uncle and longtime predecessor Tom Gingrich. What an epic weekend, Brooks Gingrich told Now Here This Can Be. I'm very thrilled with the whole experience. These singers have been working so hard at this music, and for them to peak at OSU is amazing. The schools, Despite the school's drop down to 5A this year, Canby boasted the largest choir in the state and has been working on its performance routine since January. Canby's performance at the LaSalle Stewart Center Friday was truly spellbinding as they were the only choir among all schools 1A through 6A to receive a superior rating denoting at least a 90 from each of the three judges and above a 52 in sight reading. The Cougs blew those benchmarks out of the water with scores of 96, 98, and 95, the highest totals awarded by each of the three judges at the competition, and a 55 in sight reading which was also the highest of any participating school. The Cougs winning score, 344, was the second highest registered by a 5A school since 2007 when the classification was created by the OSAA. I'm very excited that they got the highest sight reading score from that entire weekend, Gingrich said. It takes a ton of failure, patience, and grit to read that well, and it's so satisfying for their efforts to hit that high note. 
Gingrich particularly relished the achievement for his seniors, he said. They are experiencing a normal school and competition experience for the first time after a freshman year derailed by COVID-19, sophomore year in which learning and choir practice took place primarily over Zoom, and a junior year in a hybrid format in which many restrictions were still in place. I'm looking forward to these final three weeks with my seniors whose experience of high school has been incredibly unique, and I'm so glad they get a legit feeling of triumph over the last three years, he said. The Canby High School's concert choir's final performances will be later this month in the school's spring concerts on May 24th and 25th at the Canby Fine Arts Center. Hey, Frankie, how's that new internet deal you just signed up for working out? Uh, not great, actually. Oh, sorry to hear that. How so? Well, my bill ended up being way more than I thought it would. I actually have this statement here. Uh, apparently, I had to pay more for high data usage? Oh, yeah. Some providers will get you for that. Sometimes they have data caps, and they can slow down your speeds and charge you extra for going over. So I'm being punished for using my connection? That doesn't seem right. I'm with you there. What else does your bill say? A lot. I had to pay extra for faster upload speeds to get Wi-Fi equipment, and there's also this infrastructure fee? I looked that up, and it turns out it's a fee so they can build out their network, mostly in other cities and states. I hate to say it, Frankie, but it sounds like you might have only taken into account the flashy sale price and not all the fine print charges. You may be right. You should switch your internet to DirectLink, Camby's local cooperative provider. They don't have any hidden fees and don't nickel and dime you for using your connection. Plus, Wi-Fi is included in your internet subscription. That sounds great. I could really use a new router and these data overage fees are going to add up really fast. It couldn't be easier. Just give them a call and ask about Omni. It's their all-in-one internet service that includes Wi-Fi, enhanced security, great parental controls, and easy-to-use network management apps. And there's really no hidden fees? They won't charge me for streaming and gaming a lot? Nope. You get fast download and upload speeds, unlimited data use, reliable and secure Wi-Fi, and local service included with any DirectLink fiber connection. Give them a call today at 503-266-8111 or visit www.directlink.coop. Right. Joining us in the Canby conversation today, we're so delighted to have back on our state representative, James Heeb. James is serving in his um, first of the, sort of the full legislative. You came in during the short session last year, but now you're getting kind of the full taste of the legislature. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the what full taste. What it's all taste. about. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so actually, you kind of wanted to come on and talk about a few things. Um, it's obviously been a really eventful session. Um, a lot of uh, kind of challenges. You faced some challenges and um, certain things that you were trying to get across or trying to accomplish. Obviously, being in the minority party, that can be tough. Um, but some things, uh, I, I take it, sort of came to a head uh, last week. 
Um, you had an experience where you um, you actually, you know, everyone's talking about the Senate walkouts, but you were the first uh, in the House to kind of uh, decide that you didn't want to show up for a vote. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, last Monday, I, I intentionally skipped voting on uh, the final vote for House Bill 2002. Mm-hmm. House Bill 2002, it's a, yeah, it's a t- terrible. Yeah. So last Monday, I decided not to vote on the final vote of an unconstitutional bill it was house bill 2002 it uh it's full of a a ton of new policies new new laws that uh yeah are are wrong in so many different levels um yeah it's uh all right i'm following along on these notes and i don't think it's going to help me (laughs) but uh yeah so I'm going to just speak frankly, I guess. House Bill 2002, it touches a v- wide variety of issues, mainly the, uh, yeah, a lot of a, well, abortions. It's been framed as an abortion bill or a pro, uh, pro-choice pro bill. But uh, in reality, the only thing that it changes with anything to do with being pro-choice is uh, allowing minors under the age of 15 to consent to an abortion without parental input. Uh, that's the only thing that it actually touches on as far as abortion goes. Because the, re- the current law allows it up to 15, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, the, currently, right now, the, as the law sits, uh, any children under 15 that want an abortion have to get parental consent. Oh. This will make it so that any child, yeah, yeah, 10, well, the, the age-asking committee by Representative uh, Representative Ed Deal, I believe. He asked, uh, what about 10-year-olds? And they said, yes, yeah, under this law, a 10-year-old would be able to come in and get an abortion without parental consent or any sort of parental notification. And so there's, I'm against abortion and, and against you know uh, opening this window up for a 10-year-old to be able to get an abortion uh, aided by their school nurse and school staff it uh open opens up the door for uh more abuse um of our children it's like we regularly hear about terrible stories of uh sexual assaults that happen in our school system and there's just one more thing yeah so so on monday what was your thinking of um because i know uh you know i I believe you even had some constituents kind of ask why not uh, show up and vote no, right? I mean, why not? Even yeah. though you're in the minority, you you have the ability yeah. to sort of represent uh, y- your your own feelings and other folks that are that are opposed to this measure. Uh, why did you decide that you didn't want to be a part of it when when you were the only one that wasn't going to yeah. change anything? Yeah, it's a. I just refused. I refused to be a part of an unconstitutional process. I it makes it easier that this bill in particular is something that I'm very much against. Well, uh, going back to yeah, the uh 2002 it's being sold as an abortion bill, but it really expands transgender rights and it opens the door up for uh yeah, well, at 15 year old voluntary uh sterilization. Like my son who just turned 15 would be able to go to a doctor get medications or have a surgery done to permanently sterilize them i don't think that teenagers are 
healthy enough to make those decisions. And and so going back to why I chose not to show up, it's uh, the process has been unconstitutional lately. The uh, I have done a lot of uh, case case law uh, research lately associated with the uh, various violations of the Constitution. First one that's uh, been out been I guess put out everywhere is the the acts to be plainly worded on the media they this is the state constitution yes okay the oregon state constitution article 4 section 21 says acts to be plainly worded so every act in joint resolution shall be plainly worded avoiding as far as practical the use of technical terms but we actually have as a state expanded on it Oh, and my computer just locked me out. So, but it uh, traitor. Yeah, it's a <laughs> state computer. It constantly <laughs> locks up. But it's uh in ORS one seven one point one three four. It actually expands on this constitutional provision that says that it's a readability test for legislative digests and summaries. It says a measure digester measure summary prepared by the legislative assembly shall be written in a manner that results in a score of at least 60 on the flesh readability test so it's uh so i looked into what in the world is this flesh test yeah it's uh i'd never heard of it before i didn't really know a lot about it until i started my inquiry and come to find out it was initially instituted for transparency's sake so that people know can the average person will be able to read these bills and understand what's in them and so we know that transparency was the intent whenever this was enacted further research i've learned uh, new terms a lot of them lately uh one's log rolling and uh writers or writer bills so um so just a moment i'll regress a little bit says subject and title of an act this is article 4 section 20 so the preceding section so every act shall embrace but one subject Hmm. matters properly connected therewith which subject shall be expressed in the title and so going through and those are the things that folks that ever go on olis um, on the legislative website um it'll have you know just the number house bill whatever senate bill whatever house concurrent resolution whatever uh you know number sometimes a letter um but it, but the it, what you're talking about the title is like the the relating to part if you yes read down it'll say relating to you know uh in this case yes. i guess health care yes it, exactly it's also yeah referred to as the relating to clause okay and this one it's relating to health okay and pretty so broad. pretty broad and yeah. it's not even necessarily health care but health yeah it's a uh, but as it got a p or amended or whatnot yeah usually i feel like they are more specific than that usually they're relating to regulation of you know controlled substances or whatever yeah 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 and so they they did make this uh, overly broad they had a whole committee dedicated to health care so this theoretically you know why didn't they uh include um, you know the smoking ban that they're trying to do why didn't they include uh, other health care stuff into this one bill this one omnibus bill why uh, why this one in particular mm-hmm. uh, 
well, as they amend it, they amend it in one part about I don't need to read the whole thing to you, but they're being uh, every time there's an amendment, they're adding a line in there, but they never do keep everything under health and health rights. They're starting to go into like uh, all sorts of statutory stuff about insurance, about criminal offenses, about and then the LGBT uh issue with uh minors being able to consent to sterilization at 15 year old at 15 year old without parental consent and uh they're not putting it in the the measure summary or the they're not putting it in the title and it's hidden you have to read through and and find it in there and the intent of this section is for transparency's sake yeah so that people know what they're voting on I, I recently had a conversation with somebody that supports a, a women's right to an abortion or whatnot. They couldn't believe that this bill actually um, touched on a lot of the uh, yeah the trans issues right now and the trans issues in our youth. And yeah, it's, uh, it was appalling to her that they were combining the two issues into one. Yeah. What yes. do you say to to critics, I guess, that, that um, you know, say, well, we haven't really followed this for a long time. I mean, it's it's just something that, that's uh, come up. Nobody's really paid attention to it, who, you know, sort of accuse Senate Republicans and yourself, I guess, um, for, uh, you know, say, oh, this is just sort of a, a end around or this is something that's, um, you know, it's really about their opposition to the bill and they're just trying to derail it on this technicality. What do you yeah. say to, to folks like that? I guess you push back on that. Yeah, well, there's a, I guess that'll take a good segue back into uh, the log rolling and riders issue. So um, a few years back, there was a Oregon Supreme Court case where they talked about log rolling or basically omnibus bills where you take a bunch of issues and roll them all into one and you have a rider bill, the bad bill, the bad policy that is not popular that one is hidden in the log roller bill and that was ruled on in within the last 20 years to be uh illegal unconstitutional and it's it's clearly unconstitutional as much as as i've been reading and researching this and it's even our own oregon supreme court as much uh you know as i hear people talking about how they are can be partisan even this left leaning supreme court has ruled that what the legislature is is doing right now is unconstitutional and so <laughs> they're also talking about at the same time referring to section 15 so i'm, I'm going backwards here okay. but where they say that i'm uh i won't be eligible to run for office again if i don't show up so they're pointing to the same page <laughs> A column just next to it saying that I can't run for office again, but then they're also right next to it saying that Section 20, the title of the act, has to embrace one subject, and then the next section says they're supposed to be plainly worded. And then they want to diminish us oh, about some flesh test that's there for transparency. It's there so that everybody knows what's being voted on. 
and now they want to uh, hold my seat over my head and say that oh yeah you can't run again if you don't submit yeah i'm i taken many oaths to uphold the united states constitution and the oregon constitution and uh i was willing to lay down my life and if they think that they're going to hold a seat over my head to get me to whip into shape and willingly violate our our u.s constitution and oregon constitution they they're delusional yeah yeah let's come back to monday morning so i imagine like uh i think you said uh, you might have said it before we started recording but um you know, you didn't even uh, necessarily show up that Monday planning to, uh, I don't know if you'd use the, the uh, terminology walk out, but, but to, to not vote. I mean, you were there yeah. in, in Salem that day at the Capitol. Yeah. Um, I imagine there had been lots of uh, talks with your caucus, talks with between the uh, parties and negotiations on this bill, probably going back weeks or months. Um, all of this leading up to this moment, what's what kind of was going through your head and, and uh, led you to make the decisions that you made? Yeah, well, it's the conversations were, you know, had in, with the caucus. And, you know, I'm not going to speak to their motivations, but uh, there was a very mixed, mixed emotions uh, within the leadership and within the caucus. And, and, uh, there are various reasons for wanting to walk or not wanting to walk for myself i just uh i i just couldn't justify being a part of this process but i chose not to push the button to vote because a lot of the time they they point to us being there and say hey look it was bipartisan it's like today we actually uh are a republican committee members we're we're done going to committees. We we don't affect the process. They just uh, like we're even discouraged from asking questions a lot of the time of the people testifying, and we're completely being pushed out of the process. Uh, so it's it's a lot of the time it's only there for an illusion, so that they can point to the news or point to other people and say, "Hey, look, it was bipartisan. Mm-hmm. Look, there's a Republican in the room." And I'm I'm just I don't want to play the games. I'm uh I'm trying to be transparent and do the right thing. And I couldn't bring myself to be a part of an unconstitutional bill that is going to harm kids. And I, I said enough to be get it on the record. I went in there and I said, yeah. Well, I have this little list on the back of my constitution that I was uh. Yeah, keeping keeping track of them. You know, there's a 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, Due Process Clause, Article Four. You know, of uh, the State Constitution, Section 20, Section 21, Section 15, ORS 171. Yeah, uh, kids can't give con- informed consent. Uh, you know, it's against the UN human rights violations, Article 25, Section 1 and 2. It opens children up to predation, violates the First Amendment, freedom of speech and religion in multiple places. And, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to be pointed to at some point in time and say, hey, look, it was bipartisan. Look who was here. Yeah. I, yeah.
Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, or no. that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait. Do you know any trivia that isn't, like, animal-related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hare Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hare is one of Camby's longest-running, locally-owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. You mentioned, um, so you've, you and I... I believe you said uh, other members of the House Republican Caucus have kind of, um, you know, Senate has walked out at, at this point, um, is not participating in, in House sessions and things. The House hasn't done that. Um, but I believe you said that you're, you've kind of pulled out of uh, committee meetings. You feel like you're not, um, uh, yeah. it's sort of performative and you don't, you don't feel like you're being kind of involved. Yes. Um, let's because we're, we're there to give an illusion of being bipartisan. Uh, this is the first committee meeting was the one that I missed today. I haven't missed any other committee meetings, but it's uh, what committee was that? Oh, it's a uh, yeah, it's a uh, early childhood and human services, mm -hmm. and, it's, and other uh, Republicans set out from that as well. Yes, yeah. the, all the other we, Republican members. We all did. Yes, yeah. because uh, all of our bills, all of our bills got killed, and all the Democrat bills went through. It's uh, we weren't allowed to, you know, make any amendments. We weren't even really allowed to be asked questions. I was snapped at multiple times and scolded for asking questions when, you know, Democratic colleagues have been able to, you know, openly ask questions. And uh, it's so one-sided. Like a couple, even a month ago, I was, I guess, naive or. Um, yeah, I, I still had this belief that I was going to go there. We were going to create good arguments and, you know, lay out my opinion and we were going to debate it and come up with a uh, bipartisan laws and, and it hasn't been the case. Not at all. It's, uh, it's been disappointing. And so that's where I'm at. I, um, uh, I'm not going to be a part of the process that it conflicts with my own conscience. Hmm. So, does um, just curious? Does sitting out of um, committee assignments? I, I mean, we kind of talked around the absences and the Measure One Thirteen stuff. So that was the voter measure um, last year that was passed. Oh, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it affects committees, committee uh, bills. Don't, don't count as absences. No. Well, it's a little different. It. Um, we can only be. A, yeah, it's going to be. It won't affect the reelection thing. That's, okay. Uh, not the committee, but the thing is, those committee bills, like us. I don't know. Some of them are okay. You know, we. I. A lot of us signed on to the ones that we were supportive of. But the other ones, they're, they're just cramming through whether whether we get to be partisan on them at all. Yeah. And so all this does today is it makes every one of them vote yes on these bills. And they were going to vote yes anyways, and they're, uh, they're, they haven't made any sort of concessions or any sort of negotiations or uh, compromises. I don't know. I talk about it. Whenever people ask me, "What's how? How do you and your wife get along and uh, have su- a successful marriage?" And it's really compromise. Like we mm-hmm. we have been able to always figure out, you know, where are our priorities and come to a compromise. Yeah, and that's uh, not happening at all in the legislature. And yeah, yeah, the state of our politics uh, right now in, in the state. Uh, it does make me really sad. I think when you study the history of Oregon, there's a really rich history of uh, politicians that, that work together from different parties, that compromise, that uh, reach across the aisle, that weren't, um, you know, all sort of rank and files. You had, you had you know, progressive from the conservative party members, of you had conservative members of the, uh, the progressive party um, and folks just willing to, uh, not, uh, you know, vote necessarily in line. And that just feels like, I mean, you do see sometimes, you know, some bipartisan bills or some that will get a few from, from each side, but it's very rare. You see, I feel like a lot more than you ever have before of just straight party line votes in Oregon, yeah. which I think is newer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is disappointing to see a lot of the time, even whenever. Because, I mean, you just I, see, you know, you, you feel like you see these reds and these blues, these Ds and these Rs, and and you see these straight party line vote after party line vote, and you get the, the sense that it's just like, you know, polar opposites, right? Like it's so polarized that they can never yeah. come together, but it's like these are just people i mean yeah. like everyone in the yeah. in the house is just like you just a person you know able to it, talk and articulate and, and listen it, it, you know yeah, why it, can't what i guess you're newer but what what have you kind of experienced I, I imagine you've had some um opportunities obviously to to talk to democrats and kind of you know yeah. what do you think is a roadblock why are we so polarized so, solve all, solve uh, solve partisanship uh, for us, James. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, um, yeah, I'm gonna bring up a quote from Dennis Richardson. It's uh, oh, there you go. It was like you know he who, was a, he was one <laughs> right, like the the last uh, yeah. Republican to win a statewide race in Oregon. Yeah, um, yeah, he was one of those ones that was part of that history of being able to being from a certain party, but being able to talk and listen to all people. Yeah, well, I, in a nutshell, he said. Three trade unions control what happens in this building, hmm. and I, I really feel that's accurate because uh, what it comes down to is uh, I'll, I'll use for instance uh, the school safety bill that we were us Republicans were trying to get um, get through. Hmm. We wanted we wanted a lot of the common sense school safety stuff, like uh, having school resource officers come back to school have 
in schools. Uh, metal detectors have uh, panic buttons so that a, you know, a secretary can press a panic button and the police are automatically called. Have yeah. some a lot of simple safety fixes or like a, a remote locked door. Wasn't like and, ha- having a security plan or having some safety plans in place? There's, yeah, there's, um, well, there were different options, different right. tools we would be able to give to these schools. And I could, we, whenever it came down to the vote to actually have a vote on those, I could look across and I could see that there were multiple Democrats that wanted to vote for it. And they were over there getting scolded by their own leadership. Like, And I've had some of them say, oh, well, if we don't vote, we're going to get primaried. Yeah. And they're being threatened by their own their own party. Yeah. And that if they don't go along, they're going to get primaried. And, and some of those Democratic uh, representatives even ha- had to change their votes and go and uh, – because their leadership coerced them into it. And just really disappointing to see it's, they don't always have, they do have a choice, but if they don't really have a choice to vote against their caucus, Hmm. it's uh, sad to see. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's just one of the many, many, Nonpartisan issues I've I've seen where yeah yeah I don't know well, what that, to call it but yeah it, it's that, sad that is unfortunate. Last thing I really want to ask you about um, I know it's a big deal to folks out here is the tolling. So we got some uh, cautious optimism, right? Like some uh, good news on the tolling issue that's going to be delayed for at least a few years. Yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, postponed for at least two years, pending a uh, more thorough invest or not investigation but uh and this is all tolling because they were looking um, at tolling 205 and i5 yes yeah. uh well it won't be all tolling it'll be the i5 bridge that's gonna have to be used for funding it partially and uh oh that's uh, all, the the river crossing the yeah, columbia river uh, crossing yeah the columbia river the yeah inter- but but sorry I, I didn't i shouldn't have said all tolling i meant yeah the yes. non-river crossing tolling proposals that they were looking at for I- other parts of I-5 yes. and 205. Yeah. Those are all on hold because 205 tolling was at one point possibly starting as early as this year or certainly next year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, So they, they're they going to do both of them, the, the one at the Boone Bridge by Wilsonville and the 205 one. When they do that tolling, they're going to do it as a larger package so that they're not just putting the burden on one demographic or one one area they're going to yeah. spread it out amongst the whole metro area and they're going to do a larger study so this this bill gives them though that time to make sure that they're not you know just harming you know canby and clackamas county that it's more of a regional um regional plan and so yeah. that it won't yeah it won't target just one particular community harder than the other ones hmm. so yeah it's uh i think that there's other ways to fund road projects i know we have one already but uh uh you know that's just the gas tax but uh good news you think or what i mean what's your take on that folks yeah. want to know 
yeah well as far as like funding it through no just the the the, the postponement and uh, yeah yeah it's it's good because we do need more time the yeah. postponement to to do a larger study there's other ways to fund the project there's you know mainly like the federal government i know uh has a lot of incentives uh and then there's also we we, we tax we have taxes already um and if they're not high enough, we would have to raise the gas tax. I know that's horribly unpopular, but it's the other option is to tax electric vehicles, a per mileage tax for electric vehicles, because they are not paying road tax. And uh, that one's not popular either. And the other option to pay for our roads is is tolling. And uh, I... I don't have it highlighted in my constitution right now, but I know that there's supposed to be equal protection under the law, and it doesn't appear that way with gasoline vehicles versus electric vehicles right now and paying their fair share. So this is a highly partisan issue, or controversial issue, I should say, because people like their electric vehicles, but, uh, you know, if they're going to be, yeah. So it's it's a complex issue. There's more than one one thing at play here and uh i'm i'm glad they're taking a little extra time to get it right the first time instead of uh just implementing something that's gonna you know harm mainly clackamas county yeah yeah i mean and that's the one thing that i'm uh you know i'm not a fan of 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 tolling um like most folks um especially for uh roads and projects that are already built i mean it's one thing to do it to build something you know but yeah. to you know to put tolling on a, a, a road or a bridge that's already built and that you're not planning to improve you know you're maybe just using it for maintenance is quite another but um if it's if it's something that's okay well this is it, this is meant to replace declining gas tax revenues that makes sense to me you know i yeah. get that you need to keep keep that relatively even but if that's if that's really what it's about then like tie it together some way you know because like if i drive a gas uh again you you mentioned the equitable if if i don't have an electric vehicle um now i'm getting now i'm paying twice you know because i'm paying the fuel tax and i'm paying tolling um so you know tie it together somehow to where the tolls you know um maybe are are when you still are getting a lot from gas tax you know why do we need to have like full rate tolling you know make it um uh, variable in some way to to where it's a little more equitable yeah yeah i think uh i think you're onto something there but uh yeah it's also you bring up the uh tolling to pay for a project and we, we can see that that uh happened in astoria where that that bridge uh the name of it eludes me right now but uh they they used tolling they paid for the project and then the tolling stopped mm-hmm. and and the federal government has already approved that in oregon but what we really see if you pull back the curtain and investigate the tolling more is it's it's about behavior modification is yeah. the term they use and it's not been about um yeah, paying for the bridge project, which is what they say. Now, the bridge project was paid with federal funds, a federal grant that Oregon got, or ODOT. That the tolling is there. They want to do behavior modification or congestion pricing is another term they they use. But it's 
that has not been approved by the federal government. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, if we want to stop it, we still have time. So we do have federal delegates uh, that, well, I know, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think uh, who's on the, I'm trying to think of who's on the transportation committee, but. Uh, For Congress? Right, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, right now that would be uh, Lori chavez Dreamer, I believe. I believe, okay. I believe she's uh, actively fighting against the congestion pricing, and she's the one that we would be able to um, contact to figure out any more about, about the grants. And I, I know that she's, uh, yeah, she's been you know, doing her work and working hard for us over in D.C. Mm. But, yeah, she she would know more about the federal grants available to Oregon than I would at this moment. Cool. Well, Representative Heap, thanks so much for taking so much time to talk to us today. Um, you want to share how folks can get in touch with you if they have other questions or things that they maybe want to follow up on from this interview? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I guess you could email me it's just uh rep dot james heeb at oregon legislature yeah <laughs> yeah i before e except yeah. after c right? there you go yeah and then um yeah my my phone number is also on there i yeah uh it's 503-878-1905 feel free to give me a call with any questions or concerns so, no. Well, James, thanks again. Uh, I know, you know, uh, as you've shared today, um, you know, experienced some frustrations down there and whatnot. Um, uh, things haven't always uh, been easy. Uh, politics is it can be a, a tough game, but I appreciate you hanging in there and, and doing what you can to uh, do what you feel is right and, and represent people here in House District 51. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in uh, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod senior sports analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Here This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. 
a production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe, and we'd love to help you do it. Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though.